What do I want? It's a question that everyone eventually has to ask themselves. The key motivator for every action taken. The cause behind every effect. So, what do I want? I want to go to a sporting event in every major venue. I want to grow within my relationships with my friends and my family. I want the freedom to create without the fear of failure. I want to dream without being hindered by reality. I want to chase new passions, new experiences, and new goals. I want old milk to branch out of the box and try new things. I'm accomplishing some of these goals right now, and I know what I need to do to achieve the rest of them. However, the one thing you should take away from this commercial is, I want you to buy old milk merch. I just want to start off by apologizing. I feel like I, um, on Saturday, it was really warm. I think it was like 70 or something like that. And I said to one of my friends, I don't think winter's coming. And then Sunday it got cold. So that's my bad guys. You know, I, I jinxed us. I just want to apologize for all that. I believe in winter now. Um, and I will take the six steps to being allowed back on the seasonal team. I believe, in, I believe in winter. It's a wild, <laughs> wild thing to say. Like you didn't before. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was coming. Um, This year, I didn't think it was coming at least because it's been so warm. Like when's the last time you could say it was 70 degrees in November? That's probably not a thing. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before, but it's definitely something that's rare. So yeah. Well, yeah. hey. Old, old climate change standing like LeBron before game six, just staring at us. <laughs> like, all right. His um his that one clip of LeBron and he has like his hands on his knees and he's looking at the Celtics bench and oh, then he just destroys exactly what I'm talking just about. destroys game the six. whole <laughs> there's so game many six. game sixes for LeBron that you could point to and be like, oh, that was the signature moment. Yeah, um, game six, 2012, Eastern Conference Finals. He uh he hit his like first like 12 shots in a row, scored 45 points. But that was like the peak of my LeBron standum and like so I don't we don't we don't need to talk about um, it more than that, but it, some am, Celtics fans might be disappointed in a in a 14 year old in a 14 year old me. You're rooting against Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and all those. But like, I, I think that Miami Heat LeBron is probably the best villain in our lifetime, at least probably the best villain that we ever had in terms of NBA. So I've always appreciated him for that. Um, I still hate the I still hated the Heat at that time, though. I hated uh, LeBron because it was the Bulls versus Miami and that was kind of a deep um rivalry there. But speaking well, of it was a deep it was a deep rivalry because someone took an MVP from LeBron. Uh, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I, I think that I think what you mean to say is the youngest MVP ever who probably uh he never got injured, Derrick Rose would be in the conversation by now for best point guard of all time. Um, oh. this, this, I think that's what you meant to say. I mean, yeah. you can't argue with 22 Something years old like as an MVP. So, what like a legit mean? one, too. A legit yeah. one. Something like that. So, I don't know if you could argue with that necessarily. But speaking of MVP or players who deserve it, Joel Embiid last night, did you get a chance to watch that 59-point performance from Joel? First of all, 
let me just say, because I, I tried to talk to some of my friends about it, and I don't think I got the um, the engagement that I wanted from this statement here. That Philadelphia 76ers alternate court, the brotherly love one, with like just the different shades of brown on it, the best court I've ever seen. That is the best court design I've ever seen. And for I'm Joel Embiid to drop 59 points on the best court design that we've ever seen last night. I forgot who they played. Um, who did they play? Uh, it doesn't even matter. They played the Hawks last night. Or was that Saturday? Night? No, that was Saturday night. They also cooked them too. He had he had a hundred points. Joel Embiid had a hundred points in twenty four hours, the span of twenty four hours, which is insane. So that's nice to see. Because earlier I was talking about how he didn't look like himself, and now he's starting to look like himself again. That was amazing to see. Also, Darius Garland almost brought the Cavs all the way back to win um, in Minnesota. We're talking about basketball because I don't want to talk about football because all my picks were trash. So, is that? Yeah, now the NBA is back. Uh... I spent like two whole decades only caring about football. So <laughs> now that the NBA is back, um, I, yesterday I was watching like whatever, like Wizards, Grizzlies, and you know random stuff like instead of football, Bears, Vikings was happening, and like Twitter was going crazy. Uh, and I was Bills, like, I Vikings, or Bills, Bills Vikings. Vikings. Yeah, the, yeah, the, sorry about that. Although since you said the Bears, Justin Fields again, I think he became the first quarterback to have two touch two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns with some type of yardage in NFL history yeah. as well. No, he's playing really well. So, I'm glad for him. I mean, I, I started off, uh, I believe it was episode nine of the It's All Opinion podcast, like facetiously saying that Justin Fields should be an MVP candidate. But now no. he's looking like the best player on the field, like regardless. I, but he's I, looking I mean, like good. the perfect combination between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. That's what he looks like to me, which is insane to think about. I... He's playing well. I, I don't know. I don't know about. I don't know about calling him a combination of Lamar Jackson and Patrick, taking like two of the top like four players in the NFL and yeah. putting them together, and then yeah. you get the second year quarterback who is never done anything. For I mean, for what it's worth, he's on pace to break Lamar's rushing record for a quarterback. So there's that. That's great. So that's great. That's, that's something. Happy. Hey, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for him. You know what? Thank I you, did. Man. I did like Justin Fields as a Georgia mm-hmm. fan, mm-hmm. as like in Georgia rooting interest. When he committed there, I was very excited. I mean, he mm-hmm. obviously left, but it was kind of a situation where he needed to leave. So I'm happy for Justin Fields. I'm happy for him. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we could come to this. Was, this is like the least combative sports talk that we've had. We're usually on oh, well, polar we didn't, opposite we didn't, sides. We didn't, we, didn't talk about, we didn't talk about the best player in the NBA. So oh. that's where, what best that's player where in the NBA? issue is. Oh, it's it's really hard to say. It's it honestly is hard to say. It's tough for you because the actual best player in the NBA is one of your least favorite players. And then that's not even my, true. My that's best not player even in the true. NBA, you just can't admit that. Like <laughs> you said, what's crazy? You said he wasn't even a one last year, and now Jason Tatum is in my heart mm-hmm. the best player in the league, second best okay. player in the league in my head. But okay, I assume you're saying Giannis is first. Yes, that's fair. Um, I don't. It's what I can say for sure is that LeBron isn't the best player in the league anymore, which is something that we couldn't say like definitively two years ago. Even last year, like it's hard to argue with 30 points with his yeah. like just being LeBron scoring. I mean, he was, he was, he was trying to catch Kareem that, that he, he was that's fine, but it's still hard to, it's still hard to like, he wasn't the best player in the world last year and he hasn't been for probably two or three years now, but there's still like the case you could, where you can just be like, he's yeah. LeBron, he's okay. scoring 30 a game. Yeah. 
this year there's no like case no to case. be made yeah. for that. There's no and, case. Uh, he really is. It's unfortunate to watch. He's a, he's very much a black hole now, which is it's tough because he could he could play like he might not be able to run up and down like he can, but like he can't sustain that over a whole season. But he could play a different brand of basketball if he wanted to, or at least like for times during the game. But it is it is crazy. Like he's getting the ball on the post or the wing, and he's just waiting. And a lot of the times I, I said it last night to uh, one of our, just in a, we were talking about Lakers nets. He finds the perfect pass a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but it's like you waste, you, you took like 16 seconds to get there. And I get it like a skip pass across the entire offense to Austin Reeves is impressive. It's, it's, it's crazy to watch him watch all the traffic work out and then find it. But it's like, you're not, you're having more success playing another way. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's the one thing that I mean, I was saying it last year and everyone was laughing at me because I guess I know more basketball. But um, I was saying that Russell Westbrook should have the ball in his hands because he speeds up the pace of the game. And that's a hilarious can... way to start that statement. <laughs> I um, guess I just I guess I just know more basketball. That's... I mean, it's been, I mean, it's been proven this year because when you see the difference in when Russ runs the um runs the offense versus Bron runs the offense. Like when Bron runs the offense, as you say, he's a black hole and everyone's just standing around watching. And then you wonder why the Lakers have difficulty scoring, but especially with the elimination of the take foul and the fact that one basketball is really interesting again, because like you're seeing all these amazing plays that you wouldn't have been able to see before because they're being taken away because of take fouls, which, but that's something I'm pretty sure I ranted about that before, but because of that, you could just see Russell Westbrook and the young guys on the Lakers run the break. And that leads to so many points for them. Even like Anthony Davis or Gabriel or Schroeder, when he comes back, Thomas Bryant's supposed to come back on Friday. Um, So it's just going to be interesting to see the difference in styles, but I think ultimately for this team, especially a team that's more athletic than last season and younger than last season, um, the formula to win for them, if they can't really shoot that well would be, to just run the break whenever you can. And that's something that Russell Westbrook can do and has been doing. And LeBron just refuses to do. And I think that's the difference between the starters and the bench in terms of production. Yeah. It's a interesting situation. And it's really why I don't care about it. <laughs> well, at least you're a true Celtics fan. Not many. Yeah, we got the, hey. there's, there's, there's not many of you guys anymore. You, you know, no, no, it's, it's very strange. It's like I was a LeBron stan, like all the way stan for for I don't know from the time I was in kindergarten he was he was his a rookie like I mean, all if you're gonna pick it. a player to stand I mean no I know you can't like, do any better sneakers, like buying the sneakers growing up everything and then he went to the Lakers and I was like nah never mind uh, the the Boston see the fan in me the way you know how I like fan like my fandom goes I would have been a Lakers fan I would have been like I I don't hey. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Uh, that is Taylor McLeod. I am Nate Sperlin. Welcome back to the Cap Podcast. This is episode 328. Let me find the this – is, this is golf clap. We don't like that. We want the round of applause for you guys, for you guys uh, listening to our very good sports takes. I mean, I think they're pretty good. Taylor, what do you think? They're good. You think they're good sports takes? Yeah, I think that we can definitely get lost and talk about that for like four or five hours in a row and oh, not no, realize sure. that we didn't talk about the album and then be like, all right, see ya. All right. Oh wait, wait! The album we gotta, we gotta, yeah, yeah, we, gotta yeah. we gotta set up again. My fault. Um, no, yeah. but I am Nate Sperling. That is Taylor McLeod. This is episode three twenty eight of the Cat Podcast by Old Milk. It's your weekly tour through hip hop. 
Thank you for watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and more. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Old Milk Media. Check out all the Old Milk content at oldmilk.co. That being said, Taylor, how are you doing today? I really, I say this every single time, but I can't complain. Like the weather out here is perfect pretty much every day. It's not, it's not like LA where it's like warm every day, but it is like in terms of fall weather, I couldn't have asked for any more compared to like the East coast Midwest that was having like seven degrees in November. It's like 50, 55 out here, cold at night, like leaves are turning fall. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. real fall out here and it has been since like September. So it, it, you go from East coast where fall doesn't exist anymore. And you go from seventies to a foot of snow in a week. It feels like, out here where I've had like two months of fall and it feels really ominous to be like oh this feels like you know fall when I was a kid but sounds but like you're you're making your way to Dunkin Donuts a lot Nah, I told you there's no Dunkin here oh oh yeah what do you do oh yeah you have local coffee shops I have local coffee shops but you want to know you want to know what I what I did do but what did you do I subscribed to Jada Kiss's new coffee brand so I get a bag of it every month. How is it? The kiss, it's great. Honestly, right. it's amazing. It's a, it's a, it's like a middle roast. So it's not a dark roast. I don't even, I can't remember the actual word for it. It's like, it's not a dark roast and it's not a light roast. It's, I don't know, a roast, I guess. Yeah. But it's normally I drink like French roast or dark roast coffee, but this is like, this is the stuff. I drink it every <laughs> single day. Thank you, Jada Kiss. I lost the job offer because I, I lost the job offer because I was tweeting about Jada Kiss once, but oh, wow. I'm drinking his coffee. So. <laughs> Full circle, man. Um, hey. You got to bring it around. Okay, so on this episode, we're talking about Nas. We're talking about King's Disease 3, um, 17 tracks long, 52 minutes long. Uh, there's no features on it. It's produced entirely by Hit Boy. Um, Taylor, what were your first thoughts on King's Disease 3? First listen through, it. it's just, it's it's hard to... Sometimes it's hard to like put a Nas album in perspective, especially King's Disease One was a little easier because we didn't have like the the sustained output leading up to it. But now that this is the third year in a row of it, it's like it's like it's just watching someone or listening to someone who's mastered their craft over like three decades just get better and better. It's like when you it's it's like when like there's a craftsman or something, you know what I mean? Who does like has been making something for like 30 years and now they can do it with like with their eyes closed and they can so it's like that and that's the first lesson it's like rapping is just so easy easy for nuts that's that's my main conclusion and that you can you can talk about the grammy conversation because of what king's disease one did and and hit boy obviously does his thing and i think they make a really really strong team right now probably in terms of continuity and consistency the i i can't think of another producer rapper duo who's like really in terms of coming every year still like we've had runs previously where it's like that but for right now like it's definitely one of the strongest combinations and it's just he's a he's a master of what he's doing and it's so easy to see that yeah um my first thoughts about I feel like it just feels stale to me to be honest it feels like um, that tin of the fancy cookies that your grandma has, and then you finally open the tin up, and then all the cookies are basically dust. That's what it kind of feels like to me. Um, I also feel like on this album, Nas was trying to show us that he could rap, which everybody who understands what, like, how impactful Nas has been 
throughout his career understands. So we don't really need for that to happen. So I feel like this one was more of a heavily traditional rap album. And I think because of that, that takes away from the overall musicality of it. Um, this is a good example of a great rapper not making the best music. Um, I, I think that it just starts from the beginning. There's no features on here. I need some type of something to cut through the Nas bars, the Nas hooks every single time. There's 17 tracks here. So that's, I mean, if we're averaging it out to two hooks and uh, two verses, that's 34 Nas verses and 34 Nas hooks throughout 52 minutes with no breaks at all. Not even an interlude or anything like that. So um, because of that, it becomes a little stale. Also, when you look at it and you look at uh, the King's Disease trilogy that we have so far, when you look at King's Disease, 13 tracks, 12 features, King's Disease 2, uh, 15 tracks, 7 features, and then King's Disease 3, 17 tracks, 0 features, it seems like the the length of the albums go up and then the amount of features go down. And I think that one of the main um, things that appealed to me about King's Disease 1 and King's Disease 2, aside from the fact that Nas was rapping as well as he normally does, um, was just the fact that he was reaching across generations to still make that music that he um, that he's known for, still have that music with a message, but still have that musicality or have that uh, awareness enough to include a Lil Durk, Anderson Pac um, on King's Disease, the first one on King's Disease 2, you have Blast, Miss um, Lauren Hill is more, um, that's more of Nas's generation, Charlie Wilson's probably before, but like you see that um, transcendence in generation to create good music and that's just wasn't present at all in King's Disease 3. Um, I also think that the beats were also a bit stale. Um, perhaps that's what Nas wanted. He wanted more of those rapidly. I can't really classify them as boom bap but they seem more in that um, spirit or more inspired by that boom bap feel, that boom bap sound and again I just need something to cut through that so it's just not 17 tracks of the same thing over and over again so yeah those were my first thoughts yeah i i definitely i definitely see where that's coming from and it, it makes me think of two it makes me think of two things to me this project feels a lot more like getting a continuing what i was saying about like you know like a a, a craftsman or like an artisan it's like you seeing their like their like workshop or their studio you know what i mean like it's mm -hmm. not like the just face the frontward facing product it's like really getting a chance to like see what they're doing by themselves you know what i mean like like their own their own efforts their own like all right like you go in there and then it's like oh like this is what you do and there's whatever like whatever this you know whatever it is um so i like while it's very while it's very like satisfying for me because like i'm completely fine with listening to nas rap for 17 tracks like like he he's that good and in i like that look behind the curtain but what what it is missing because because of the no features thing and because of the conversation that is going on the internet right now or 21 savage is talking about Nas's relevance and and all that i think i think that this album being devoid of features and kind of feeling like separated from everything that's happening right now within the genre, I think there's a lack of context for it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, if there is any staleness or if there is anything that I would nitpick, it's that where you don't necessarily get how it fits into the current, into what's happening right now. 
Um, and I think the features are always a great way to do that. And it doesn't even have to be like reaching into different generations. It can just be like, it's a contextual thing. It's like, all right, here is who Nas is thinking is worthy of being on a Nas album right now, because getting on a Nas album is no small feat. Like I understand that he's probably more accessible than like, like Jay-Z right now. Cause Jay-Z is like, you know, he'll give like a feature to, he'll give a feature to like Drake and DJ Khaled. I don't even think he. I don't even think he's concerned about rapping. I think he's trying to buy the Commanders. To be yeah, honest. no, I mean for real. Like, and if he is, it's like you get that one-off feature where he's like on a DJ Khaled song or a Drake song, and I can't really remember another example of of hope popping up recently. Mm-hmm. So we're like Nas is definitely more like just releasing more, and that, that keeps him in the conversation with like the current releases. But where the other projects did a better job of like kind of cementing themselves within the current landscape, this one definitely feels like. All right, I locked in with Hit Boy for however long, and we made 17 songs, which are all exquisite rap songs, but don't necessarily fit within the context of what's happening. And depending on how you look at it, that could be a good or a bad thing. To me, it's definitely like a like, yeah, Nas, like you're 40, you're 49 and you're Nas. Just like do what do what you do. But it takes away the part of it where it's like, how does this fit into everything else? What's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, I also think that, again, maybe it's just me, but the way that this I received this album compared to King's Disease and King's Disease 2, like I see those more as full projects, like more fully developed concepts. And this one just kind of feels like, like you said, like I, I'm Nas, he's Hit Boy, we made 17 tracks together, listen to them. And because of that, it doesn't really seem like the album has... um a sense of continuity, a sense of, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, cohesiveness that King's Disease and King's Disease 2 had. And also another thing that contributes to that is, what's the last song? The last song here is, it's a bonus song first off. And then they have a song called Don't Shoot, if I remember correctly. And I think that since track 17 is counted as a bonus, that would count as the outro. And it doesn't, there isn't really a clear okay, this is the song that brings everything together and closes everything out. Um, there just isn't that. It just feels like it stops abruptly in the same way when you're listening to an artist and you like the beat. And then after the last after the last hook or whatever, the music cuts off and then you can't really hear any of the beat. You don't really get that chance to appreciate the beat without the lyrics. I kind of feel the same way there in terms of, um, I'm not really getting a chance to appreciate the album with a good out satisfying outro track and i think that really hurts the way i perceive this album as well yeah it's it's definitely like it, it, there's no like easy way to like put this it's definitely like a project for like like the like ner- like nerdy listeners and like in the way where it's like more like all right this is 17 rap songs where it's just versus just hooks it like there isn't a ton of like there isn't a lot of variety on this. And I think that's why it feels so abrupt at the end, because you're like, like you said, you're waiting for that, that, that song to tie everything together to really send it off and be like, all right, here, here's not tell you what the project was, but kind of be like, all right, like, I know that we're waiting for this ending. So that second list and that third list can be like, all right, like I know what we're leading up to now. So you can start to put the pieces together. And I think that has been the experience for me like this this project was certainly better on my third listen than it was on the first listen mm-hmm. and i assume it's going to keep getting better and it's definitely like uh 
I think another reason why the context kind of feels a little messed up for it is that this project reminds me of a a time like probably like 15, 20 years ago where you don't there there's there's more of like a and, and correct me if there's like more of like a normal guy feeling to this album, mm-hmm. but as one of the biggest rappers of all time, it's very much like it's how I like think of it's how I think of like how like Bun B moves in Houston. It's how I think of I guess Nas is like the you know what I mean? He is like the the stereotype for that. It's like similar to like how Alchemist works on the production side of things, where it's very much like very hip hop, very like at its roots. And and there's there's points in this album where it it is a throwback. It is a throwback and it's like Nas rapping about stuff that you're supposed to be nostalgic about. And it's not like it's not like the biggest project in the world right now, which is that Drake in 21, which is like super toxic, super like I need to put have my everything. window down. I need fresh air. Yeah. And the boy. It's not like that. It's not there isn't like the glitz and the glamour and the flashiness of everything. Because even even now, like we see someone like I it's an easy comparison to make because they're both from New York, but like Benny the Butcher to me is like very much like a he can be like a grimy rapper where it's like super hip hop, but then he gets on with Hit Boy. Actually, it's it is coincidental that he got on with Hit Boy and then you get this kind of like flashier it's like I don't know if there's any word for it, but it's like glitzier kind more of like production. Yeah. 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 And it's like quicker and it, it feels more like hit driven, even though the song might not be a hit. It's like, all right, like this is a way for a rapper to really like get off, but also it can like, you, it'll, it'll move you. It's not so much like a, it's not so much like, a, like mid nineties, like, all right, this is like, no, you gotta like really like sit down and like put headphones on and, and figure out. But this project, King's King's Disease Three, feels a little bit, little bit more like that. Just from a perspective, that's like I've made every kind of album I need to. Mm-hmm. I've made classics. I've made projects that for like the fans. I've made a Grammy winner in twenty twenty, and now here is like, here's me getting back to like what I'm best at, which is yeah. just rapping. Yeah. Um. What are your favorite tracks? I really like Hood to Hood. I like Recession Proof. I think Get Light is really good. And then to me, my favorite song on all this is First Time. Yeah. Like, I like that idea of, like, when was, like, the first time you heard Nas? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, like, your older brother put you on or something like that. Like, th- that was really cool to me. Yeah. Um, I got Ghetto Reporter, I'm on Fire, Once a Man, Twice a Child, and First Time. Um, All right. So, say your thoughts on anyways. Oh, wait. No, that's not right. Share your thoughts on King's Disease 3 <laughs> in the comments below. Thank you for watching. This has been the Cap Podcast, episode 328. Do us a favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Old Milk Media. And check out all the Old Milk content on OldMilk.co. That being said, as I said, Roddy Rich is probably going to drop next week. So I guess we'll be here for that. But until then, we are out. Thanks for watching.